Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. This week we're discussing The Eternals, so let's get into it with the recap. The Eternals, a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years, reunite to battle their ancient enemies, the Deviants. That it? That, that's it? You really needed to have that, that synopsis in there? If, if people are here for the movie, I assume they've seen the movie, and I hope so. And if you have not seen the movie, if you're just relying on us to spoil it for you, well, we will. But you're going to not get any satisfaction from it because I'm sure it's going to be a lot of snark and jokes for the most part. Um, that being said, there's your synopsis, and hopefully he sounded good doing it. Um, this this movie was different than any other Marvel movie. I think we could all agree on that. Like this was, uh, this was felt different. It was cinematically different. It felt like it was shot different. The, the texture of the film, the emotional core of the film was different. And uh, just to address the the pink celestial in the universe i think that like what this should have been was a 10 episode hour each episode disney plus series no argument from me this should have been this should have been a tv series because there was way too much stuff crammed into this movie and i don't even like and i don't think see this is where i think you and i are getting different i don't think it was crammed i think there was just what i want is what we had and I want it all exactly as it was, but I want more filled into the crap cr- cracks that exist for, you know, Sprite. We needed at least a whole episode dedicated to her and her problems. That one scene in the beginning where she's pretending to be an adult and doing that, we needed more of that to really relate to her issues. Because other than her playing tricks in the beginning and sensing a little bit of snarky irritation with life, by the time we get to the end and her saying, like, I don't like the fact that I have never grown up and her complaining about that at the end as a reason to, like, murder everybody on the planet. It's like that just doesn't that doesn't fit. You didn't have enough time to dance that dance. So we need an episode dedicated to that. Also, I would have taken an entire episode dedicated to, like, Makari any day. Just give oh my me God. more Makari. Makari. Needs, I need more. I need more Makari. Makari, like I, I, whenever I see her on screen, my heart is just a lift up. And I love Cersei. Don't get me wrong. Cersei really did do it, do it for me as the lead in this film. But I love Makari so much. Everything, her chemistry with Druig, her, her, just her energy on screen. And whenever her, she used her power, like the way they filmed her superpower, that like speedster power, like it was intense. Like you felt it. Like whenever she was just speeding away or if she was attacking someone, like sound design, visual design, the way they filmed her leaping about, like on point. Everything they did in this film was right. It just, you have like a billion characters. You need more time to like sit and rest with them. You know? So we actually, we actually agree on that, Joseph, because it's not that there was too much content. There were just too many characters that we just didn't get. Like, no one had room to breathe. Like, Cersei, pretty fleshed out because she was basically the main character. Um, Icarus, very, I think, had, Icarus I, had it as well. I, yeah, Icarus had a bit. You know, Sp- Sprite had, like, sort of an outline. And maybe so did, like, Thena. But, like, the rest of them are just kind of thinly sketched. Yeah, I mean, even, because, even like, Thena didn't have it at all. Like, the, you needed an hour dedicated to just Thena. Because I feel like you just didn't have enough to rationalize, like having her have all these issues and then, you know, she's just hanging out, you know, 
waiting to, and then she just like magically processed those issues at the end. You know, I, there needed to be a little bit more of a connection between that. I feel like she, of all of them, the ball was dropped because a lot of them just didn't have enough to like have a ball in the first place. It was just kind of there. But then like with Thena, I feel like the ball was dropped and she just wasn't given. I mean, I, I would spend an hour on each of them. And that's the thing. It's like, you could have cut this film in, in a way where you did an MCU where it's like everybody got their own episode. You had your beginning episode that started all, then everyone gets their own individual of like where they're at and like flashbacks to history and all this stuff. And then you had the last two episodes exactly as we have it here where they go after and to deal with the celestial. I don't think you're not changing anything. You're just adding more. Like I wouldn't have changed a single thing in this film. I just would have stretched it out over 10 episodes literally and added a lot more footage in between all the things because it, it I love what they did. I love how they filmed it. Uh, the music is by far one of the best Marvel scores ever done. Ever. Just gorgeous. Also, I really dug that Pink Floyd opener. Yeah, the Pink Floyd opener was good. But like the, the ender, I did not like the, the ending song that they did. Like, other than like the credits. But once Eros got on the screen, like and then suddenly it turned into a Guardians of the Galaxy film. It's like, that was weird to me. Like the way they did that. Like, it feels like the first time. Like, what? why are we doing that? Why, 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 why are we? Like, you just had this big epic ending where a fucking God's hand came out of Earth's ass and we're now with Eros. Okay, cool. They probably should have played something from One Direction. Why? Siri Styles, man. Okay. But what they should have done more than anything else, is ended with like something as dramatic as the film itself. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think we've kind of gotten ahead of ourselves. Joseph, did you like this movie? I did. I did. I, 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 I like this movie a lot. I, I love this film on a multitude of levels. I just, if you like this movie, you want more. If you like this movie, you, you want to, get, to have more footage. And I feel like the only way to to uh, the only sensible way to have to satisfy that is to have this have been a series in the first place. But again, don't change the director, have Chloe Zhao have done the entire 10 episodes, you know, um, visually the, the superpowers, the cosmic energies, everything was done so gorgeously. Yeah. Going back, going back to Makari for a second, like you're right. I really liked the way they visualized her speed. Yeah, I mean everything they did, everyone's power was was so gorgeous within their own right. You know, from from uh, I mean, Icarus's light beams, the sound design and the visual design of the pulses coming out of his eyes were so intense, like you feel it viscerally. You know, it, it's it's Superman was never done as well as 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 that, in my opinion. It just when it comes to actual sound design. Like the sound design of that light beam coming out of his eyes were just so good. When they were in the forest and that fight was going on and he was just like, boom, 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 you know, like that, that, that is just so visceral. Um, I, I, I cannot speak good enough about to the sound designers who worked on this film. It's, it really held something impactful. Um, and just as much Macari's speedster powers like I've seen we've seen good speedster moments you know like even Joss Whedon's you know speedster moment with with time going back you know or the speedster moment in Justice League where you know 
the flash is going around Superman. Some really cool effects there. You know, like I like good speedster moments. But the way they just regularly used her powers were just, again, it was visceral. It was intense. It was emotional. Everything had an emotional impact. You know, Kingo, was like whenever he used his powers, the way he moved his hands, it was just boom, boom, boom. It was, it was just everyone's movements to, to, to Festus's way of moving his hands was just so – you can tell the actors really worked the theatrics on this. And it wasn't just we're shooting powers. It was it's all a meditation. It's a dance. They were acting equally by using their powers as they were anything else. It, it was it felt real and it felt concentrated. And I give credit to the choreographers and the actors and the director for coming up with all that, because, you know, it's like we all we, we're used to superpowers now. Like everyone just uses the superpowers and we kind of take it for granted. Um, but to have it be a part of that beautiful dance and to have it be that visually interesting, I think that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. What did you think about them having a title crawl in this movie? It was the first time we ever, and I think that sets it apart. It was shared like, listen, we have a lot to say. We have a lot to make up for, and we're not getting like a an episode long, you know, prologue in this. So we're giving it to you here. This is this is going to be an epic. They had a lot to say, and it was it most of it was bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, it was setting up the lie. That's the thing. We're, we are given exactly what the Eternals know. And I think that's the coolness of it. It's like we are being set up the same way that our main characters are being set up. So the mystery as it goes through that title crawl is what they're embedded when they wake up. You know, do you think the Celestials actually predate the Infinity Stones? Because I, 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 I'm not so sure on that one. I think they're older. I think that they are going to be proven to be way more ancient than not just the Infinity Stones, but like they will probably be tied if if they are allowed to continue the storyline i hope that they're to be tied to things that are more ancient than even the multiverse you know like they're going to be connected to some deep shit so i couldn't get over the scale of the celestials like erishim like the first scene that we see him in we only see like a fraction of him like he's he's this just massive gigantic thing and ajak is just nothing <laughs> Yeah, I'm used to, um, I grew up on Transformers, the movie. So Unicron has always been on my mind. And it's just, it's Unicron size. They are the size of Unicron. So I'm, I'm used to that. Like a, a tiny little trans, like a, a massive Transformer to us. You know, like Megatron, like we're just the size of his foot. And then you have like him next to Unicron. He's like barely anything. Um, that, that's, that's how it made me feel. I was like, oh my God, it's, 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 this is what Unicron would look like. And if we're going to get Galactus, it's going to be to this scale, you know, and I'm pretty sure that if we get Galactus, Galactus is going to be a celestial. So we're, it's all coming together, this new line of, of Marvel. Um, and I think people need to, you know, the, the haters are all people who are just like, oh my God, that's so woke. And it's so, you know, you get all these people, why do you have an Asian girl in it? And why is there a black gay couple in it? And blah, blah, blah. That's something we can talk about. Like this movie, before it even came out, was getting review bombed by just shitty people. Yeah, because they don't like the fact that this cast, which to me represents the entire fucking planet, like this cast really is a representation of a, the the global population. I think in a beautiful way. Um, and you know, people are like, "No, I don't like that." You know, why can't they all be white and male? 
I'm badass, yo. I was like, shut the fuck up. You're all you're all morons and assholes, and your ideas are from like the 1800s. Go 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 kill yourselves. I I can't I can't anymore. I can't I cannot abide useless people, and these people are useless, and they're just so busy hating on things instead of living and existing. Kind of like Sprite right now. Oh, but yet we forgive Sprite because the film is inherently about family, um, and this particular family who love each other despite the issues they have because they've been together for millions of years. So maybe if those people can learn just a shred of the wisdom that we all take from this film, we could all live in a happier place. But as the, as things go, that is, that is yet to happen. The audience score, though, is like, what, 83%? Something like that? Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, because then people saw the movie and was like, this is a good movie. Everyone's a bunch of morons. Uh, the critics were just leaning in, I think, to like, oh, let's let's we like watching our heroes fall. And I think they were excited to watch a Marvel movie fail. Um, and it didn't. I don't think it has. I have to check the numbers as far as the box office gross goes. We're also still dealing with a pandemic. So people are. It's it's just the reawakening of the pandemic just now. And I think we have to wait and see what happens in the in the future. I hope that Marvel understands that and allows these stories to continue because i want a sequel to this like i want to see what that i want to go to the world forge i want to know more about the celestials i want to see erisham judge everything from the memories i want more cersei you know i need more makari i need it i need more makari i want druig and makari and their chemistry which to me at the end was such a beautiful thing um i want more of that i can i can tell you were you were just going on this um (laughs) I wanted I wanted to get, roll it back for a second to how diverse this movie is. Like we, you know, we've got a deaf character, we've got Asian characters, we've got Indian characters, we've got um, Latin characters, we've got a child, we've got someone who essentially has dementia, and you know, Marvel finally gave us our first gay black superhero, which I think is amazing. But they also sort of made him responsible for Hiroshima, which you know. Less amazing. Well, I don't think it's. I mean, that's that's the the beauty of tragedy. He was so excited to give human beings the the steam engine, which I love that scene so much. He's so excited. Everybody, come, come, come! I got something for these Babylonians. Like, look, look, look! It's a steam engine. It changes. It changes water from high pressure to low pressure. Uh, just, just you know, give me a little help, and we'll get them used to this. They'll be able to make crops like that. Mm, that's a little too soon. Can we simplify it a bit? Okay. <clears throat> Simple. It's a plow. You know what it does? It plows things. So, yeah. And his energy there was such a mood. I relate so hardcore to Faustus, especially at that moment. It's just like, I need to simple it down for these morons. It's like, here's my grand idea. And they want this. I love that Faustus at the very end of the movie, like, was the one to take Icarus down a peg. Like, yeah, he was so satisfied too. Like his machines, like he was able to give himself blasters. He did all these things. He made shields. His tech was so cool. I loved him so much for all that. Um, bring it out. I've been waiting a long time to clip your wings, Icarus. He's just holding him down, sucking all of his cosmic energy out. At Hiroshima, which that, that moment was emotional because uh, we also got to see the dome behind him, which is the, like, the only thing that survived that blast. I thought that, they, that was a wonderful touch. Um, but that's the point. Like He was so excited to help humans evolve technologically, and then he did. And you saw him like 
like I, I look what I did. He took full responsibility and had to back away. That's such an emotional thing. An entire episode that connected to that as we go through time, as we watch him helping humanity out like that. Ah, can you imagine that energy? Like to be able to like really explore his emotional core before he leaves to go start a family. Like that's to me the brilliance of it. Like, yeah, it would have been that much better. Yeah. Uh, they can still do it. Hell, like if they had a companion piece where they gave us a miniseries, one episode dedicated to each one, and it just, you could just fit it, you know, in between these people's stories, I'd be down for it. Like get Chloe's out and just come back for like eight episodes and call it a fucking day. Um, be so cool and give the give the valet his own episode too okay so yeah karoon's probably my favorite character in this movie yeah he was a great human being and i loved how respectful and how like he was just thanks for including me he just was happy to be a part of it and he you know even he was like i'm human i'm biased so please try to save the world yeah no i like i was kind of expecting dane whitman to be the like the human stand-in because you know we actually see him in the marketing but he's hardly in the movie having karoon was so good like someone who knows what the eternals are and appreciates them and is just like along for the ride and also i appreciated that he had like three cameras just he had four cameras he kept he had non-stop cameras when are you getting these cameras young man Oh, I love that. I love that line from Sprite, the calling him a fucking young man. Yeah, uh, I love that. That the whole forest scene was so freaking cool. And a lot of great one liners with 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 uh, Kingo just being like, did you get that? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I love it. The banter, the banter and the, and the dialogue in this were it was good. I enjoyed it. I had a friend who really did not. She did not enjoy the dialogue. She thought it was campy. She thought it was silly. I'm like, I, I didn't think so. I thought it worked. To the to the family dynamic they were they were doing, so so Thor used to follow Kingo around. Yep, Thor used to follow Kingo around, and uh, and Faustus learned how to make this mead wine beer thing from Odin after Gil- Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh after um after the uh, fuck what was it? after Lofi caused some problems on Earth. That was so fucking cool. I love those that little moment. That was like the that was like the one moment where you felt like this really was a part of the same universe because they were all just like backhandedly referring to old Marvel shit. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I, I dig it. Um, I felt bad for Gilgamesh's pie. Oh no, the pie that like the sadness of the pie and had the breaking down was like Gilgamesh's heart. And like I know we're all supposed to be sad about like Ajax, but like oh that that pie looked so good. I mean, you should also be sad for that. Uh... That cast iron, he just fucking crumbles it. Yeah, he crumbled that shit. <laughs> Gilgamesh. God, that was so cool watching him fight the Minotaur from like the old stories. Like he's at the gates of Babylon. And that's exactly how the gates of Babylon look. Like we have it in a museum. Like we have those gates in the museum that were found and, and parts archaeologically moved part. Yeah, that, that entranceway was found. And like those gates were there and like that's how it looked. And just watching him beat the crap out of the Minotaur from the fucking story, it's just that made my heart swell. And I'm so happy. The, the historical mythological geek in me was very happy that day. Yeah, speaking of Gilgamesh, the marketing for this movie heavily, like, you know, hyped the Circe Icarus romance. But what we really needed more of was the Gilgamesh and Thena romance and the Druig and Makari romance. Cause like so much better. 
Well, I'm hoping that the Jurig and, and Makari romance will continue on to the end. And I would really have loved, again, you know, I've said it a thousand times in this podcast, we need like a dedicated entire episode to Gilgamesh and, and Thea doing their thing. But I'm the one major disappointment I have in this film within it, like really major disappointment where I'm just like, come on, guys, what the fuck? Like that's lazy, like Thor Doc world shit. It's like you spend all this time with the deviants and that one deviant evolving. And then Thea just cuts him down like that. I wanted him to survive. I needed him to survive with a part of Gilgamesh so that it can be it becomes a problem for Thea down the line. And it's like this, it would be this weird romantic, villainous relationship building between them that's long term. Because like you spent all the time doing it. And by the time you actually came to this place where there was an actual character development moment in there you, you you killed it you didn't want a serving of crow sashimi no no i didn't want crow sashimi i wanted him and it was so easy all you had to do was like have the same moment happen and have him you know be pushed into like a lava flow and he could survive the lava flow somehow whatever it's marvel they can do whatever the fuck they want just not slice him up into little bits and pieces for to be used with like chopsticks and, and a meal like that's just it did it bothered me that like we spent all this time on that and then he's just dead in an instant the moment he becomes interesting yeah i'm not gonna lie the whole the whole deviant subplot was completely undercooked because the the fact of the matter is like crow who they don't even name in the movie becomes aware that he's just been a pawn of the celestials and the eternals have just been a pawns of the celestials and instead of like having a greater realization about like oh we're the same he's just like i'll destroy you all like it was just it was garbage yeah especially since like at the end of the day like all right so you're gonna kill the eternals meanwhile you're gonna die anyway in like 30 seconds shouldn't you join forces with the eternals just to fix this problem and then then you can deal with it later Right. It's like uh, there was there was a million different ways you could have handled that ending sequence with Crow. And yes, he should have been named and it should have been more of a of a of a of a weird romance between him and Thea being set up for future for future movies. And he should have been allowed to move over to sequels and it, it would have rationalized the whole deviant subplot in general. And that's my it's a big fucking like disappointment for me because I really liked the design of Crow. I love the the look of the deviants. I was there for it. All the battles, it was there. And I understand that they weren't, they were just kind of like a red herring about what the problem was, actually and metaphorically. <laughs> but all the all the other good stuff that we could have gotten from that character is now literally cut down in its prime. I that's a disappointment. And I'm like, whoever made that decision, not so much. It was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. How did you feel about the Icarus twist. Um, I didn't mind it. I liked it. I I liked because it, it shows his he's not who he, he he said it the whole time. He's not who he was. You know what everyone thought he was going to be, and it allowed that disappointment to exist. Um, and everyone to kind of choose a side. I liked the drama in that. Um, and I guess he went to go commit suicide afterwards because he was such a show ashamed of his choice. He apologized to Cersei as soon as it was all done. You know, he didn't say like, "What did you do?" I can't believe you did that, you know? Nope. He just flew into the sun. Flew into the sun like Icarus does. Yeah, I bet Sprite feels pretty bad about getting that one right. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. She's the one who came up with that story in the first place. I think Sprite, 
that's a character that really needed a lot of development. I did like the Tinkerbell parallel, but yeah, I kind of agree. Like, what? Like, I, she? how long has she been living with fucking Cersei? Like, I guess she might have been jealous of her, but like just stabbing her in the back like that? Yeah, no, it just, it, it, you needed more of an understanding of why she was losing her mind and all this stuff. And I get, she's an eternal child and I get that. Like, there's a problem there, but like, there, there's ways you could have done it and made... Talk about arrested development. I know. It's like, I, and I understand that problem with her, but you needed to develop it so much more in order to rationalize that kind of schizo mentality because she did not show a sign other than a sarcastic snark throughout the film. Like, she, you don't go, like, it would be like me. I'm a snarky fuckhead sometimes to some of my friends. We know. And they love we me. Know. You know, everybody knows, whatever. But it would be like, me being a snarky asshole one minute and then the next minute I'm literally throwing you out of a moving car and running you over and just being like, it's because I didn't like the way you cooked dinner. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, okay. I get that she's in love with Icarus and that kind of fueled a little bit of like, all right, I know why she's going that way. Like the, the, the Peter Pan thing did make sense. And it, that was literally the most development we had to her psyche. That was the most, that conversation was the most development we got. Thanks, Kingo. Thanks, Kingo. But he did it for the documentary. <laughs> he did it for the TikTok. Do it for the doc. <laughs> Which, by the way, I want to see that documentary. I know. So do I. So do I. I, I oh God. Sprite, more than anyone, deserved way more than we got. And she needed it. Needed it. It was hard. Because she was the way she was talking about, like, you know, I just wanted to live my life and do all this. Like, why didn't you? Like, why didn't you? There's other ways you could have done this. And if you're talking strictly romance or sexualness, like there's ways you could have shown that on film that she was frustrated in that way throughout all of time and space. Like, and you needed to show what she was capable of. You know, she was pretty much Kristen Dunst from Interview with a Vampire. Done not as well, you know? Because I understood Kristen Dunst's thing because she had enough character development to get her pain. She, but she was still a brat. And if that's where you were going, if that's the parallel, then you still needed to show that. Yeah. But she's human now, so we can watch her grow and the actress grow up as we go through the next films. You got to love that way that they sidestepped that kid growing up. Yeah. Well, it's like, we, yeah, who knows how long it's going to take us to make a new movie and the kid's going to grow up definitely. So let's just make sure we, we fix that so we don't have to recast. Very convenient plotting. What did you think about Kingo? I loved him. I, 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 I thought his ego was great. He was funny. And I, 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 some people were complaining about his pacifismness, you know, because he did side with Icarus. But he's like, for my beliefs, I, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to fight you. So I'm going to back out. He basically skipped out on the third act because it was against his religion. Yeah, but he was being a pacifist about it. Like, I'm not taking part in a civil war between us. And I don't agree with you, so I'm not going to do this. But I'm not going to go with Icarus and try to kill you all either. So I'm out. I'm out. And I think that's an interesting thing you don't see in films, especially Marvel movies. You don't have people being like, this just is not what I'm here for. So I'm stepping out. The last time I saw anything like this was in the Rankin-Bass Hobbit car animated cartoon back in the 70s, where he's like, uh, enough is enough. I'm going to go hide behind a rock until the war is over. Because I do not understand war and what this whole thing's about. So he did. He, he, he stood up for his beliefs. And I... 
I like that about him. Even though he's literally the fighter. He's one of the fighters. He's the one get, with the with the energy blast that would be very useful. But thankfully, Faustus was able to like pew, 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 you know, and was able to build some machines to compensate for for um, Kingo's lack of presence. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't have seen Kingo going up against Icarus because he clearly like idolized Icarus. He was literally doing a Bollywood play about Icarus where he played Icarus. Yeah, no, he did. He idolized Icarus. He was uh, Icarus was the boss man to him. And it's like, I, I would follow you to the end. But he wouldn't he did not follow him. He didn't. He's like, I'm just not doing it. I don't agree with why he's doing it now that I know the truth. Now that especially that I know Icarus was holding on to all this and lying to us and that he killed Ajax. You know what? I'm out. I'm out. Meanwhile, you know, Sprite was like, all right, let's go sit by the volcano and watch the fire. Okay, honey. It's like, oh, motherfucker. Speaking of Ajax, I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of Selma Hayek in this movie. Yeah, I... But I, I yes, and that would have been like great. I don't think it was necessary because I think we got the right amount for the story. But it would have been great to have more of her. Um, again, if we had a full series, I'd still dedicate an entire episode to to her story as well, um, because I think the majority of her story, the way it's told, is the most interesting. Only after the fact that you know everything, you need to know everything that she knows which the audience knows by the end of the movie. And then you can tell her story completely with complete clarity about what she knew and what her experiences were and holding on to the secret and all that stuff. So it's for this particular story. I think we got enough of Selma Hayek, um, but it, it would still be wonderful to get more Ajax throughout history, knowing what she knows and knowing we, us knowing what she knows. Yeah. I just, I think it's fascinating that, she followed Arishem for like millions of years. And then she was just like, nah, fuck this. And that's the thing. Wonder what about earth? I mean, other than just the ego of human beings being like, all right, what, this is what makes us special. What is it that made it special that woke everybody up? And like the, also the question is when you're dealing with like forgetting memories, the first thing that Icarus did was like, check out Cersei. So are, have they been in love every single time they wake up? Because this group has been together for millions of years. So it's like, has this been a, a, a dynamic forever? I almost expected during that last flash of their romance towards the end, and they had like a montage of all their moments together throughout history on Earth. I would have liked to have seen flashes to other planets that they were on still engaging in romantic activities because they just woke up from like a full memory wipe and they're into each other. So that would assume that they do that all the time. You know, what What random acts of mutation exist within those memory wipes to suddenly make it now that they've fallen in love? So why is this suddenly a problem only now? It's because Ajax entrusted Icarus with the truth because she was feeling weird about this planet. So you have this cause and effect. So what about Earth that made this special other than the Thanos thing? Because I feel like she was having issues all the way back in Babylon. So what is it about the species that made her feel like it was special and unique? You know, yeah, she's, she saw something in us, I guess. Speaking of Thanos though. So do we think that Thanos deliberately delayed the emergence? I mean, I want to say yes, because it makes sense as another layer to his plans. 
I mean, he's got some Eternals connections now. Like his brother is an Eternal. I mean, he in the comics, he's an Eternal with a deviant gene. Yeah. So then the question is: Is Thanos an Eternal? And with with a deviant gene, and what what is all that about? I think they have to answer that question, considering now we have Eros titling himself as Thanos's brother. Like they made it a big deal. So I mean, he he literally announced himself as the brother of Thanos. So it seems like they are begging us to ask that question yeah so it's it's going to be answered my, if i was writing this i would say all right thanos was an eternal and he had the deviant gene and that's that's where all that came from and he just he went his own way with it like just he woke up in his own way and that's why he was so powerful and all this other shit um that's how i would do it how they're going to to retcon it and add to the mythos of thanos i don't know I'm not even going to presume, um, but I know they will do something because they're making a big deal of it. Yeah. I mean, they're calling it out. They didn't have to. So. No, they called it out multiple times. Like it wasn't just once. It wasn't just twice. Like they, they keep doing it. So, all right, let's go with it and see what happens next. You said this earlier and I think, I think you're right. Like as soon as Harry Styles walked in, it, it became very guardians in that, in that mid credit scene really much like it, it kind of fucked with my energy towards the in that last moment because i'm still processing everything that just happened and all of a sudden we're in the guardians of the galaxy movie and i'm like okay are we is this leading to guardians 3 like is is that going to be where that story continues like are, are the eternals going to make an appearance in guardians 3 or at the end of Guardian? like what what why did we choose that energy to go with it couldn't just be a coincidence I mean, it didn't help that we had Pip the Troll stumbling, stumbling around drunk. A very bad CGI Pip the Troll. Like, I feel like that CGI was like last minute. Thank you for saying that because it was literally the worst CGI in the entire movie and I couldn't look away. This was like 1999 CGI. This was, this was done by like one person with a, a week to do it. To add it to the movie. Was this one of your friends, Joseph? This is not one of my friends. He, I, he, they, they are way better than this. <laughs> okay, good. Way better. No, I do not. I do not take any ownership or familiarity to the people responsible to that. Can you imagine what that would have looked like if the movie had come out a year ago when it when it was supposed to come out? Yeah, I don't think that scene was ever going to be in the movie if it was came out a year ago because I feel like that was a rushed scene. That was rushed, added in the last minute to do something. And I don't know why, but they, they chose it. They did it. They went with it. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I hope they fix it for home release like they did with the uh, Infinity War at the end of Infinity War where um, some of the CGI was just a little unfinished, you know? So I hope they fix it. Um, but it was just a weird energy shift. And then the next thing you get after the end credits, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Black Knight. Mm, more importantly, let's talk about Blade. Yeah, because that that like as soon as the movie was over for the first time, I was like, "That's Marshall Ali's voice. That's that's his voice. That's that's Blade." And my buddy was like, "Nah, it can't be." I'm like, "It is. That's his voice. I know that guy's voice. I've been following his career since the 4400. I know his voice." And then, like, all of a sudden, like, everyone starts saying, oh, it could be this, it could be that. But then people are, then official high-ups like, yeah, it's, it's fucking Blade. You could say that there were two Ebony Blades in that last scene. I'll let myself out. Thank you. Just just walk away. <laughs> um, 
No, I, I also knew it was Mahershala Ali's voice. And I feel like fucking Jon Snow being in this movie was just a tease because he's hardly in the movie. Um, I am interested to see what they do with that character. Yeah, it's just a setup to bring him into that. So, I mean, we're getting Blade before we're getting a, a, a Black Knight movie. So he has to be in that. He's going to be involved in Blade. Um, to what extent? I don't know. But like, they're setting him up for something. Uh, so until I know more about Blade, I can't speak about anything else because obviously you're, you're taking it in that direction. So, okay. I mean, I don't even think Marvel Studios exactly knows about Blade yet because like, I feel like the reason he wasn't physically in the scene is because they haven't even gotten the look of the character down. No, they probably haven't started. I mean, they're probably in development, but not pre-production. So they're working on figuring all that out. You know, they know he's going to be in it. They just, and I think they know what has to happen to, to make all these things work. You know, like for instance, let's talk about the, uh, the white celestial in the room. We have some new islands. We have some new islands now. Oh yes. Um, (laughs) we have some new, uh, landscapes, some new mountains. Um, good for, for real estate developers. Um, and I think that might be a lead-in for for Namor, Namor. However, the fuck you pronounce this stupid name, Namor. Because I mean, I'm pretty sure you know Atlantis might have been a little, a little, little, little damaged in all that. A little that. salty, you might say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he might be coming up looking for some shit. Thank you. The visual of Tiamat's face, like coming out of the ocean, was gorgeous. Yeah. It was fucking gorgeous. And a little sad when we when we killed him. I feel bad. And Tiamat kind of like joined in on killing himself, maybe? Yeah, he was just giving himself the energy. Like, oh, my family, we're all going to be one, right? Oh, this is nice. This is a nice life. This is great. Wait, what's happening? I thought we were friends. Cersei really used alchemy and turned that bitch to stone. Yeah. Yes, she did. Um, I, I love her transmutation powers. At first, I was like, she's totally useless. But then, obviously, they that was the point, was that she evolved her powers and was able to start doing shit like that. Um, and it just looks so fucking cool whenever she did it. The the art that the art orgy coming out of the screen was just so gorgeous. I mean, even from the bus, that bus sequence that we saw in the trailer, that was amazing. It's like whenever she did use her powers, it was definitely something to watch and enjoy. Um I just do feel bad for the little baby celestial. Um, it does, it, and the fact that they are all celestials and ego is a celestial does beg a question: Why the fuck is ego just a giant brain? Maybe he's a weird mutation. I don't think ego's actually a celestial. I think ego's a bullshitter. You think he's just a con man? Or he might he might think that he's a celestial, but I don't think he is. He thought he was alone. Like he thought he was alone in the universe. Like I feel like maybe he was like an, a, a, a celestial born like badly. And the rest of Celestial was like, let's just let's just leave him alone. You know, like what happens when a Celestial is kind of born wrong? You know, we have enough examples on Earth when like a baby is has a genetic deformity, you know, and is barely born because of it, you know, and it's sad. And I guess if they are born just a brain and you're a Celestial and you start manipulating everything around you and you start creating worlds and planets in that, that's a nice superhero way of dealing with it. And then sadly you become an asshole. So less sympathy there, but (laughs) still at the end of the day, it could just be that, that a version of it. You know, it's like, here is a planet that had an emergence and it was like, 
we didn't have enough intelligent life. We just have a brain. Oops. <laughs> and that's what you get. You get ego. He's only ego. That's all he is. Speaking of brains, though, I, I, I do kind of think that brainstorm is a better term than Unimind. You know, he, I, I agree with you. And everyone, everyone hates Unimind and it was even done and thing. But, you know, he invented it. He gets to name it. So there's a lot of fucking characters in this movie. Who's your favorite Eternal? If I have to choose one and only one, it would be Cersei and Makari. <laughs> That's not one, Joseph. That's two. It's, you know what? You know what? You know what? I don't care. I, I'm choosing two. <laughs> That's my answer. And Faustus. Yeah, I was going to say Faustus is probably my favorite. Um, but, you know, Kingo also up there. And I agree with you. I love Makari and I really like that actress. She uh, She's also in The Walking Dead and she's one of the better characters in The Walking Dead. Is she in it now? Because I haven't watched it in like four seasons. So like I'm behind. No, she's in it now. Although she was missing for like half a season while she was finishing this movie. Okay. I haven't watched it in four seasons. So she probably was not there before I left. I loved her in this. Like that's, I want more Makari in my life. But okay, if I had to choose one, it, it really probably would be honestly Faustus. Like he's the one I think I related to the most. Um, I love his hand gestures, which is odd. Like I, I, been doing weird fucking hand gestures like that my entire life so i personally related to that <laughs> the way he did all of his tech stuff um there was just definitely a connection i had to him the brain over brawn aspect of his character him and the way he tragically believed in humanity and then got disappointed in the way we handled things like i think we all have those moments where we're like we're excited about something and then we see how it how it gets corrupted and deified I and mean, it just goes bad and you, your heart gets broken you know, we watch that moment, you know, and it's, I think it's extremely relatable. Um, I, walking through the film, it's easy to like relate to Cersei and her love for humanity. But I think Faustus is more relatable as a real human being. You know, it's like, and in a beautiful world, we all relate to Cersei and her love because we all want the world to be that way. But if you can relate to one character and have a balanced cynicism of the world versus hope, it's Faustus. Yeah, I'm going to agree on that point. Like Cersei naively loves humanity, but Faustus, like his love for humanity is tempered with like the reality of humanity and like the cynicism of seeing them destroy themselves. But he come, he overcomes that and still loves humanity. And Druig is, is, is something not necessarily similar. It's because it's, he, he, doesn't like humanity destroying themselves. And he's like, I have the power to change it. And we have the power to do something about it. And since we're not like, I have to do it this way. I like the way he views all that, but it still comes from his own sense of trying to control things and being disappointed that we failed. Not that, not the humans failed, but like they as Eternals failed to make a better world for them. And now it's like, he takes it upon himself to try to clean up the mess that he blames the Eternals. That's why, you know, when they were in at the, when the, when the conquistadors were destroying, um, I believe it was the, the Aztecs, right? It was the Aztecs or the Incas? No, it was the Aztecs at that point in time. Um, he was like, we failed. Like, this is, this is a bullshit mission. So I'm just going to go. And that's when he's like, took it upon himself to go do it his way. So I, when you're talking about just cynicism, that's pure. You have Cersei on one side, Druig on the other. Sprite's just being selfish about her needs. And I think Faustus really just generalizes a balanced hope and disappointment all in the same vein. So he would be my favorite. 
Plus, visually watching him is amazing and fun. And I remember that I was reading an article about like he's you know he's not like the slim guy. He's not like a built you know bodybuilder. He's brain and he's just like a, a dude. And I love the fact that when he went there, he was like, "Oh, you're gonna expect me to lose a whole bunch of weight, right? Because we're a superhero movie." And they were like, "No, just be you." Be exactly who you are. You could be a superhero and be that at the same time. And so body positivity within that, which is rarely done with the men, you know, it's like, I'm glad we had that. We're looking at you, Avengers Endgame. (laughs) You know what? I completely agree with you. He is, I wish we got more of him, but he is by far my favorite Eternal. Kingo, distant second, just because of the quips. And I'm, I love quips. Yeah, no, I know you love Kingo. And his quips were really fucking good. I mean, I, the amount of laugh-out-loud moments I have with Kingo and his valet, I, 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 just every time they're on screen, their chemistry is perfect. No, I'm, the best part, though, Druig sucks. Just, they're back and forth so good. So good. So fucking good. I also, I love the fact that Karun tried to impale him because he thought he was, because he thought he was a vampire. <laughs> I've been apologizing it for years, sir, and you haven't you haven't done it enough. I'll let you know when. <laughs> so I do love this movie. I do think it's great. I want more, considering it took like ten years to make. I don't know when we're gonna get more. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I think there's a good chance that we're going to see Dane Whitman in like Blade, and I don't know. There might be some crossover with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but like, yeah, we. We really don't know when we're going to see any of these characters again. Yeah. Let's hope that are contractually obligated to give us more. And that Kevin Feige's like, fuck the haters. We're just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. I, supposedly, they've got a they've got everything planned out to like 2030. So there's probably an Eternals 2 in there somewhere. I need I need Eternals 2 because I need to know what the fuck is on that Emerald tablet. It's just shiny. But Makari wanted it. And I want to know why. Can we talk about Makari being a kleptomaniac? She is a kleptomaniac. Oh my god, the amount of shit she stole. She had Excalibur on the ship. <laughs> oh, that was so cool. King Arthur always had a crush on you. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, she is. A, she she just kept stealing things and bringing it back to the ship. Yet she did not have a DVD player. Oh, DVDs. It's all about streaming now. <laughs> I love the dialogue in the movie. I don't know what people are talking about. People are crazy. Yeah, you know, I just I just think it's because it's different and that's okay. I mean, that's the thing. What made this movie different, it was shot differently. I mean, it was shot in real locations, not a lot of green screen comparatively to other Marvel movies. They they did as much practical and went out of the way to do practical. And it showed. It really showed in the performance and the texture of the film. Like everything looked gorgeous. And to me, I think it is the most beautifully shot Marvel movie ever. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And not, not to say that the cinema, uh, cinematography of like other films were not done well. It's just this had something extra special. I think using like all of the on-scene locations, I feel like this movie felt more real because it was actually filmed in more real locations. Yeah, and Chloe Zhao just did a great job with the visual look of the film. It looked gorgeous. It felt gorgeous. It felt real, and it, it to me, that, that really made an effect on the overall scope of the film. And even though you still have a lot of special effects, heavy sequences, all those sequences were rooted in something that felt just a little bit more artful, you know? And that's something that it, it, they took their time, and 
it showed a little more effort and a little more love went into it. And I, maybe it was the pandemic. Cause I know they were working on this film up to the last minute. And the fact that the film was delayed like a year and change was like, holy fucking shit. You had that extra year and a half and you, you really, you, you worked everybody to the bone for that time period. That was not like, Oh, the film's done. Let's just put it through whenever. No, it was, it, they, they kept tweaking it and making it work for them. Cause I know people were working on this film until like a, a week or two before just rushing, rushing to finish their homework the night before it was due. Yeah. But not just the night before it was due. The homework was like originally due like the previous year. So you had an entire extra year to do your homework, but you were still working on it and still tweaking it and making it perfect. And you know, again, it showed that love showed. And I don't know whether they'll put that much effort into a sequel. And I hope they do. I hope they realize that that is a certain dynamic that people enjoyed. I really want Marvel to not to ignore the haters. I'm hoping that they ignore them and they just continue moving forward because this movie deserves more respect and credence. That's it. I've got one tip for Marvel because it's something we totally missed. Um, (laughs) If you're going to do a sex scene, do it better next time. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it was just it it was it seemed unnecessary and it was just kind of stilted and awkward, which maybe makes sense because they're synthetic robot people, but not my favorite. No, but I don't think we've ever seen a sex scene in a Marvel movie before. No, it was a first. It was really awkward though. But, you know, let let that first time be awkward. As first times usually are. Yes. So, let 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 Marvel's first sex scene be as awkward as it actually was for everybody involved. <laughs> That's fine with me. Final thoughts on the movie, Joseph? Um, I need more, want more. I listen to the soundtrack all the time and I love the film. I, you heard my notes. What they did wrong was not anywhere near to all the amazing things they did right. Um, I, I don't like the fact that there's haters, but I don't like the fact that there's racism and bullshit in the world either. So you just kind of take what you can and go with the flow. So thank you, Eternals. Thank you, Chloe Zhao. And uh, thank you to all the people who worked on the film, sound design, score, visual effects. Shout out to Luma. Where does this fit for you in your overall, like, this crack top 10 for you? Yeah, this crack top 10. This crack top five for me, actually. Really? Yeah, this crack top five. It might be five, but it, it did crack top five. I can see myself watching this a lot when it comes out in Disney Plus, um, just as a standalone. You know, because the thing is, is like when you're watching, when I do like a Marvel marathon, it's like, okay, I want to watch infinity war okay well then i have to watch thor ragnarok and then like well if i'm gonna watch thor ragnarok i'm gonna watch civil war first then thor ragnarok then infinity war then i might as well watch endgame so it's like a four movie commitment that i'm doing you know if i want to watch an iron man film it's usually like two or three other movies that like come attached to that when it comes to returnals it's it's one movie that kind of gives you the satisfaction of watching three because there's so much in it and while I want more, there isn't more. And until they give me more, that's still only the one. So I'm going to – I like the world that they did. I love this world of gods and celestials and the superpowers of ancient Babylon going through history. Like I love that. I live for that. I mean even my universe that I'm writing on my own accord is so much – I like I, it has so many parallels to that. It's like my – the fanboyness in me is like this is what I want more of. So it's like – yeah, this cracked top five, and I will probably watch it as soon as it becomes on Disney Plus quite often. And I will definitely be getting the still book. You? Don't just make it about my opinion. I think where I come down on this movie is 
it is not my favorite, but I very much appreciate like the universe building that this offers. You know, we're learning about the Celestials, we're learning about the supposed like earliest days of the MCU. I think the char- I think there's too many characters and not enough time to develop them as we as we discussed, but the characters that we are introduced to, I really like. I, it kind of sucks that some of the ones that I think are the most interesting are the ones that got least developed. But I would absolutely love a sequel to this movie. I don't know when we're going to see any of these people again, but I like all of them. Drig, not so much, but his romance with Makari like redeems him and makes him a better character. Also, him bashing Sprite on the head with a rock uh, that earns some yeah, points. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was great. By the end of the movie, Sprite had just lost me. As a yeah. character. And it was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Maybe he sucked a little bit less in that moment. But one thing that we didn't talk about that like I really appreciated, this movie was not afraid to let people speak in their natural accents, which I really dug. Like Druig yeah. had his Irish accent. Um, you know, Richard Madden, who played Icarus, had his natural accent. Gilgamesh loved it. And the movie did not shy away from that, didn't make people put on a fake accent dig it no this this movie's cast was a representation of the human race and i think that is beautiful it it just this is humanity right here they're superheroes yes but this is humanity and i think that's probably what we should take away from this movie this movie looks like all of us yeah it looks like all of us all of us are represented in some capacity here um and i think that's that's you don't have any other movie that's really done that um, so we need more of that. And if it's <laughs> through Eternals, fine. Like, I'll take it. So thank you again, Chloe Zhao, for all that. Uh, you said it's not your favorite. Okay. But where would you place it under? What section of films would you put it under? How many movies do we have at this point in this universe? 30, like 24? 24, 24. Yeah, I think 24, 25 now. Yeah, I'm going to say top 15. Top 15. Okay, that's fair. Like maybe around, maybe around the... 12 or 13 spot. Okay, cool. It hasn't broken your top 10 list, but it's there. I don't think so. You know, honestly, like we should just do like a mini episode where we we, like do our rankings. I feel like we talk about it at the end of every movie review. Let's do it. We should do it at the end of Spider-Man. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. Let's do it after Far From Home gets released because I think that is going to be like, I think that's going to be a conversation in itself. All right. So make sure to like, subscribe, and please tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled Infinite A Cast. And you can email us at infinitycast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week.